Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. The Sound and Vision podcast book is now available for pre-order. Why I Make Art features an in-depth look at 30 artists, from Chris Martin to Robin Williams. There's also thematic quote sections and images from sketches artists contributed to the Sound and Vision guest book. It has a foreword written by Rishikesh Hirway of the Song Exploder podcast and Netflix show. You can get your copy at the Altelier Editions website. There's a link in the Sound and Vision website to pre-order yours today. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School. The school welcomes artists from around the world to join us this summer in New York City or virtually from anywhere in the world to learn from dedicated artists and to expand as makers in the school's legendary marathon program. Rigorous and immersive, marathons unfold over 10 days from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time daily and present an extensive range of art-making strategies, comprehensive critiques, and inspirational discussions. Expansive first-hand discoveries propel artists to relate to drawing, painting, and sculpture as direct methodologies for understanding their experience in the world, the profound impact of which continues far beyond each marathon's conclusion. Generous partial scholarships are available. Visit nyss.org to apply today. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. All the paintings in my current show are made with Golden. And in fact, I've been using Golden for about 20 years. Golden makes the best acrylics, oils, and watercolors in the business. You can find them in your local art store or online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Based in Seattle, Fulcrum makes incredible coffee that you can have delivered to your door. They have subscription services where you can have different blends delivered that you tailor to your favorite balance of coffee beans. You could save 20% on your order by entering the code ALFREDSTUDIO when you order from their site. Check out their amazing coffee at fulcrumcoffee.com. Chia Sung is an artist and educator born in Minnesota, raised in Singapore, and now based in Brooklyn. Her paintings and artist books have been exhibited across North America, including the Knockdown Center, the RISD Museum, Wave Hill, the EFA Project Space, Lincoln Center, Yale University, and MoMA PS1. Her work has been published in the Paris Review, Emergence Magazine, Hyperallergic, Jacobin Magazine, and Asian American Writers Workshop, and collected by the Met, SF MoMA, and the Special Collections at Yale, the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and RISD. She's taught at organizations like the AC Institute, Abrams Art Center, the Children's Museum of the Arts, and the Museum of Chinese in America. She was a 2018-19 Smackmellon Studio Artist and Van Leer Fellow, and is currently an adjunct professor at RISD, where she received her BFA in 2015. We spoke about finding the artistic path, making sense of curiosity, being broken down and built back up, finding fiber, Marvel movies, and so much more. Here's our conversation. Okay, in this one, you know, 
Right, like being like real people, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's an interesting distinction because I mean, obviously, you know, like I, like many, I guess, studio people listen to a lot of podcasts because I just need a human voice with me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> As I Companion. isolate myself for like 12 hours or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess you're right. You know, I, I don't feel that there is that sort of like expectation on, you know, a different kind of public facing person because I consider artists like public facing, right? No matter what sort of reach you have. Like, yeah, in a different, in a kind of removed way, you know, it's usually yeah. like the work is the most public, right? And the, the artist can kind of hide behind that, you know. Yeah, but even even so, not entirely, right? It's like you know, totally, I like to yeah. joke about like you know, well, I wish I was a medieval serf, you know, and like no one would ever ask me for my artist statement because it'd just be like I don't know, ask the pope, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> deflect it yeah right right so i'm just helping michelangelo work on his foot it's not my problem like you know (laughs) talk to that guy i don't explain i don't even read you know (laughs) but um but you know i I think it's like yes you know i think in many ways the work is our like avatar but also like no right i mean you think there's so much pressure for artists to be wearing like so many different kinds of hats yeah right like an admin person a pr person you know like all this stuff and it's just very like I think deep in like the most goblin part of my soul, there's just like a, like a, you know, I'm a shaman, just let me summon my work in peace. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. Anyway, no, sorry, not, I don't know how we got on this. <laughs> not anymore, really, too. It, like these days, you know, to your point, there's so much more you have to do. You know, back in the day, you could be that little hermit in the studio. The gallery would do the sort of public stuff. You didn't have to promote yourself. Right. Now it's like you got to do it all. Yeah, it's like, better see you on the gram or you don't exist. Right? And yeah. then you gotta, yeah, you gotta do all that other stuff. It's a lot. But I, I guess it's just, you know, I don't know, for my generation, we kind of moved pre-technology, mm-hmm. like pre-any of that through it, so it mm-hmm. really feels kind of like a new, that's why you have a lot of older artists who just don't do it. You know, they're like, well, I'm not doing any of that stuff. But nowadays, it's just, there's a lot of value in it there's a lot of you know communication that happens through that medium so it's important but it is what it is right yeah but it's like interesting like i feel like in introducing this like parasocial element almost yeah uh also i'm curious also not to be intrusive you know but when you say like your generation i mean how old are you like um i'm pretty close to 50 what no way (laughs) (laughs) Should I, I I feel like, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm Sorry, I didn't there. mean gotcha, gotcha. I'm didn't a couple mean to years be... away from fifty, so mm-hmm. yeah. I I was I was there when the internet happened. Wow. Remarkable. <laughs> Actually, a funny story, it's not mm-hmm. this isn't interesting, but um I toured when I played music with a band and the guy who played in the other band's dad invented the internet. No. Yeah, his name is Vince Surf. Perfect name for someone who invented the internet yeah that is but that is actually he's perfect. like the father of the internet he was a really cool guy wow. but yeah i remember you know being in college and my friend was like hey you got to come to the computer lab and check this out and it was like right the internet and it was literally like a satellite he was loading a satellite image of like you know outer space but it was like oh dot matrix style right right yeah and sort of like the old thick computers i imagine oh yeah they were like the coke bottle glasses of computers <laughs> Right, right, absolutely. Well, at least it wasn't in a room. Like, you know, remember when computers were like, the, well, 
they used to be the size of a room. These right, were right. actual things. When but they were yeah. closer closer to Jacquard Loom than like a Mac. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like you walk in a room and the whole room is the computer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a different, you know, it's a different way of life now. Yeah. No, totally. I was just curious because I feel like, you know, there, there are so many different entry points into like a relationship with tech. Obviously not for Gen Z, right? Like they right. just grew up with it. But yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, I think for me, my family got... I just turned 30. My family got like a computer, I think when I was like seven. (laughs) So I had like a Hotmail account, you know, but I think even that counts as maybe the last wave of like growing up without tech, perhaps, you know. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. You're on the cusp. Right. But that's why I was just, that's the only reason I was curious, you know, just on on what spectrum of like, you know, having experienced like an internetless life. Right. I think that's the big, because there was technology when I was growing up, you know, I had like Atari and Coleco and Nintendo and all that, you know, there was stuff that we did. Right. But I think the internet really changed the game because it's the amount of information that you have that really, I think, changes the way people perceive. Yes. And and a boundaryless access to information, right? It's not like going to the library to look at an encyclopedia or like, you know, going to the Atari for like entertainment, right? right? It's like everything is sort of like a centralized yeah, I don't think you even perceived the fact that there could be a difference because. Yeah, it's all in one. Right. Well, you so I you know I I did a little, and I emphasize a little, so I mm-hmm. a little research. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Minnesota is that where you were born? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure why I still put my bio. I've never been back there. Like I was uh, born during my dad's, I guess, degree, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, he graduated like not that long after and then i was immediately exported back to singapore so yeah like truly they were like bye like we hate it here it's so cold you know <laughs> uh, yeah that is a big shift right yeah yeah uh and so i actually grew up in singapore but yeah what part uh singapore yeah just the east coast i suppose but it, it's quite small i don't know if you've been no i haven't been i mean i yeah i don't know I can't yeah. say that I know. It's like a quarter, well. it's a quarter the size of Rhode Island, like including the landfill, like sort of reclaimed coastline, right? To expand the right. square. Uh, but a very dense population, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. Very dense. We're very like Tetris together. Yeah. Um, and yes. you spoke English. Did you mm-hmm. speak, Mal- you didn't speak Tamil, right? No, no, no. Uh, yes, the the government loves their sort of like you know, intercultural happy melting pot sort of like PR. So I think it's why we have like I think is it like four languages listed, right? As a national. Oh, language I I'm actually like a language like I love languages and. Oh my god! Cool. I'm fascinated by them, so mm-hmm. I. I just love, figuring out what who, who speaks what and where and all the different languages. So. Um, right. But I remember uh, seeing a video one time, I think, of someone from Singapore speaking Tamil. But yeah. I don't know that much about, yeah, the the ethnic breakdown. Um, Are you Googling? <laughs> yes, I am Googling. <laughs> I know, that's what I was that like. Was a Google, f- you put on a Google face all of a sudden. <laughs> I, I, am very per- I, I, I feel like I give everything away with my face. Um, <laughs> my mom clocks it, actually, when we're FaceTiming, and she's like, Are you looking up something? And I was like, <laughs> Guilty. Yeah, it's like, I was like, uh, I was like, you know, um, my Chinese zodiac is the monkey. She's always like, yeah, you got that monkey look again. You're like uh. looking up stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. We have four official languages, you know, sort of to like 
reference to like we are just one big intercultural family you know right but you know obviously different lived realities from the like party line but uh yeah i'm i i grew up i guess speaking english and mandarin chinese like not very well <laughs> but yeah uh yeah so i guess I, I sort of had a bilingual education but mostly in english um right yeah and weirdly through my practice and sort of the things i research i think i've gotten like much better at chinese than i've ever been in my whole life like that's cool now like you know yeah. from my late 20s onwards right yeah i'm like fast i wish i would have learned chinese i'm fascinated by mandarin and cantonese i would it would be so cool to it, the four tones thing though it's like a killer oh it's my just god so complicated i mean the four tones is like okay grew up with i'm used to it i feel like cantonese and also teochew which is my mom's like side of the family that's like you know the southern chinese kind of area they're from yeah uh i think there's like nine tones for both cantonese oh, and teochew geez. something like that um and i just cannot it's like uh it's like being tone deaf you know like it it's truly like uh singing out of key whenever i try to speak to a true everyone's just like stop talking it sounds awful <laughs> but they it's you can under from what i gather you can understand it's just not you know the dialects are pretty different they can yeah. be like very very different because i mean you know the sort of like the area just geographically of china is so huge right, right. there are so many areas that were kind of like whatever invaded and brought under the fold of this like you know enormous country in like whatever uh yeah antiquity just like like the beijing accent is so different you know you can hear it immediately yes different like the curled oh my god yeah the curled tongue thing is wild to me it's funny because i feel like i i I can read i can write you know Mm -hmm. um probably to the level of like menu and newspaper article versus like a novel you know that that is like just too much for me um but uh that's all you need food you don't have to get philosophical yes food and news you know that's all Um, you need right but i'll be watching like tv shows and if anyone's speaking in like a really strong like baiting mandarin accent i have to have the subtitles on (laughs) oh yeah it's that right it's just like confusing, you know, it's like almost like slurring to me, right? Yeah. And I have the Chinese subtitles on, so I'll be reading in Chinese and I'll be trying to understand the like curled tongue thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, same here. Like if you go down south, I mean, you need an interpreter for some some of that stuff. The southern For draw, sure. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it's amazing how different it sounds. Yeah. The variation is like staggering. So, well, you moved back when you were really young and mm-hmm. did you have... It sounds like your father was an academic. Yeah, yeah. He he was a mathematician. That's creative. You yeah. use creativity in math. It's true. It's true. It took me a long time to see that, I feel like. Uh, it comes off as being really formulaic. <laughs> yes. What yes. with being mathematics. But there's some creativity there. You can get wild Absolutely. With it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I don't claim to understand very much about it. I feel like, you know, for someone who's a mathematician dad, most of my perception of math, especially uh, math and academia, is a beautiful mind. So, <laughs> you know, don't ask me to speak on this. But, right, um, right. Yeah. Well, where did the, where did the uh, creativity trickle in? Or was it was it drawing? Was it, you know, did it start at a young age? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, I always love to draw. I mean, but as does every kid, right? I think it's universal. 
that's why yeah. that's the beauty of art i think it everyone starts there and then most yes. people it just gets stamped out yes right because i mean i don't think our society really c- creates very like welcoming and kind conditions for most people to sustain you know not even let's say like a, a financially self-sufficient practice but just like sustain a practice at all you know it's got bad pr art you know it's yeah not, like, it doesn't have a good pr team yes absolutely absolutely most maligned um yeah and parents are the worst usually they're the ones who love to give it a bad rap even before they they haven't even tried it they're just like art what are you kidding how yeah but you know it's also like yeah because i i think you know certainly i had some conversations with my parents like growing up you know um before i went to art school of just like is this really a thing right (laughs) but i also see that what did they say just very like maybe you should like you know just do this on the side and do something that's actually like viable right 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 Um, very responsible yeah just responsible but you know i also like uh I understand and I think I only understand more as an adult like not that I necessarily like you know am am happy that it's such like a common parent response but I, I, I do get it I think in the sense of like there is so rarely an accessible model of what it looks like to be like self-sustaining you know like right. healthy happy especially in like mainstream culture right like yeah you for know, sure uh, there is like this sort of like unshakable image of the artist as degenerate, you know, as like just I don't know, really fucking mentally ill. Which I'm like, yeah, I mean, yes, I also am that, but right. you know, um, sociopath can't yes. quite connect with others. Right, doomed to be in a room by themselves. Yes, like something's really wrong pictures. with you, right? right? <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's it's like. But I think it comes from a place, I mean, I think, yeah, like, there isn't the same sort of, like, societal or, like, institutional support that, I don't know, like, being a banker, right? <laughs> like, right. and, you know. Or a doctor, I'm, of course. Right, a doctor, a lawyer, you know, it's, it's yeah. very different. Um, and I think the very thing that makes people put, like, the artist kind of lifestyle on a pedestal is also what makes, I don't know, uh... I don't know, are, are the same things that I guess lead to artists being very sort of dismissed in the eyes of those same people, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, did you, I mean, in school, did you get some support with it? Or were you just doing it on your own? Oh, uh, you mean like as a kid? And being, yeah, being creative. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, uh, I was like in art class, I suppose. I mean, I was in public school for quite a while. Um, but... I don't know, I guess in some way, I feel like my bond with art really came from books and literature. Like, I didn't grow up, like, going to that many museums, you know, or, like, having a lot of access to the art world. Uh, In a way that I think someone with, like, an artist in the family, right, might have that more deeply folded in. Or even being in New York, I think, you know. Yeah. But did you, I mean, so that was the way you were introduced to it, to, through books and stuff? And how did you find those? Uh, my dad's a big bookworm, you know, not okay. surprising for an academic. But I think I would look through a lot of stuff like that. I mean, like, I read a lot of comics, but I think really, like, it was just reading a lot of, like, novels, you know, and fiction and really, really 
being fascinated with how like there's such a, a level of like participation that I think reading calls from you right versus like watching a visual medium of course yeah you gotta bring mm-hmm. your own visuals to the table yeah you know and I think that was always like very very just like magical to me as a kid yeah. you know uh, and then sort of seeing like the I don't know the world of like like visual responses to like literature you know that sort of symbiotic nature of it I think was like yeah. a big entry point Does so that, that sense? kind of yeah no that seems like that kind of activated that visual side of your brain to where you felt the impetus through these re- interesting narratives to start to build a creative visual experience out of it I mean filmmakers do that right they read books and they're like okay you know, I think I can bring this to life or I can I can imagine the way this is going to translate. Right. Like, let me make Hamilton. I'm joking. <laughs> I love the people, too, who are like, yeah, the, the this movie's nowhere near the book. Like, I could have done it. But like when I imagined it, it was way better than the way this Steven Spielberg. Made oh, it yeah. The like fierce defensiveness, like the loyalty you have to like the vision that you've created in your own mind, you know, of yeah. like a, a book is really like yeah it's really strong like that attachment is strong you know because i think there's also that sense of loss that i actually feel like i (laughs) i have been like telling my friends that it's the same sense of loss that i almost feel when i see the bottom half of someone's face for the first time after i take their mask off (laughs) because i've like sort of subconsciously photoshopped just a version of what the lower half their face looks like right and there's that moment when i first see what they look like that i'm like oh I'm surprised because it doesn't look like what I had imagined, but I'm already forgetting what I had imagined, right? Oh, yeah, it immediately replaces. The reality yeah. of it immediately replaces. Whatever, you you really cannot remember it. I feel like that's probably part of the loss and that sort of like fierce defensiveness people have over their like book-imagined version. Is, right? it, is it like the movies, though, where you're like, oh, that face isn't as good as I imagined ah! <laughs> I feel like I get uh, lip lip volume wrong a lot. Oh, yeah. I give you, everyone a really juicy mouth. Do you air on the fuller side? Or do you air, yeah, I give everyone a really juicy mouth. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a letdown. You don't want <laughs> that no-lip person. I mean, you know, it's it's funny how beauty standards change, right? Like, that's I remember true. being so uh, embarrassed as a kid to sort of have, like, a fuller mouth because it was the 90s, right? And that really, like, you know, delicate, thin-lipped look, I feel like, oh. was really in. Really? That was ever in? That's a bummer. I feel like maybe I don't know. I could be imagining things. I also no. Like, you're probably right. Yeah. It's just the tactile nature of it. You want a fuller lip. You know what I mean. <laughs> no one wants to kiss cardboard. Yeah, you just want more real estate. You know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Whatever it is, I'm I'm happy to uh, as as selfish and short sighted as it is. I'm happy to fit the current beauty standard of lip volume. Uh, right. right. <laughs> that's right. Well, there's right. someone for everyone though. Some people like to sleep on a hard floor. That's true. Yes, so, uh, like know. a little futon situation. Well, you heard it here first, listeners. I have a juicy mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't but know. So they came. There's a lip for everyone. Yes, we agree. There's a lip for everyone, and I have a juicy mouth, and that is exactly what we came here to discuss today. Well, that's that's our tagline for the podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so with uh, going back to school, like I'm curious mm-hmm. as to when the moment hit 
I don't know, maybe it wasn't in school. Like, when mm-hmm. did a moment hit where you caught a little bit of the bug of making to where it became something more than just, like, you know, making a sketch or something, you know, to where you were like, oh, I'm getting into this. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, I always was, like, really into it. Uh, in that sort of, like, I guess, world-building, like, private way, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think I always wanted to be an artist, but less because I was like, you know, very quote unquote good, right? Whatever that means, especially for a child, you know. Uh, yeah, I guess regardless of where I was, I think it was what made sense to me. I think it was the lens on the world that made sense to me. Yeah. But I think it was sort of like, I think it sounds a little more sort of like positive and like centered than I think my lived experience of it was because I was like I think that I should probably be an artist but I don't know what that looks like you know it's right. like when my parents sort of cautioned me against like what is that going to look like for you I'm like yeah I don't have an answer don't know what that looks like you know I was really like a very depressed and sort of like troubled like adolescent you know uh so I don't know I think it took a while for it to really feel like sort of an empowering or viable choice does it make sense totally was the because a lot of people find expression and creativity as a portal out of that darkness you know what i mean like if yeah. you have kind of like a dark not totally dark but you know if you have moments as a young person where you're like everyone who's angsty wants to join a band or wants to you know wear like a concert t-shirt or pierce their ear whatever it is you know For you want to sure. do something creative to sort of that breaks you out of the mold of like the monotony, you know? Yes, and the sort of like pain of not really understanding the world, how you fit in, you know? And it can be years and years before you come into the language to really identify and express how you feel, right? In this, um, I don't know, in in this more like sort of communicative way. Uh, And yeah, I think for sure it's like this very like primal power of art right it's like Definitely. you don't need to explain yourself but it is an, an outlet of expression um yeah and i think it was very much that for me but so you know i, I guess i i quote unquote always knew that i wanted to be an artist but i i certainly felt sort of like uh conflicted about it you know like what does that even mean like what am i gonna do <laughs> right right how do i take this thing in my mind that I want to do and like actually put it to work. Right. Well, that's the advantage, like as you mentioned, the advantage that people who have family members who do something creative, you know, because then they can see it. But if you don't have that, it's kind of like, well, how do you, you know, I mean, I like growing up, my parents were like blue collar, mm. you know, and uh, I think for me, going to the museum was kind of like eye-opening because I right. saw this giant abstract like Rothko's and I was like, what the hell? Like it just blew my mind. And right, it, like this exists? Like, oh, okay, I live in a world where this exists. Yeah, and I didn't even know how to contextualize. I was, it wasn't like I was like, oh, wow, people do this. It was just kind of like, what is this? And then it was a question mark. And then later in school, you know, or as I encountered art in different ways as I got older, I started putting the puzzle pieces together that like oh this is you can do this stuff you know right it's almost like that initial question mark is the you know the path that if you want to go down that's like the beginning of it yes it's it's the curiosity (laughs) yes it is very confusing because it's like uh 
I don't know. It's it's a very difficult position to be in, right? It's a scary right. place to be in to feel that spark of curiosity and have no model for a pathway, no beaten path to follow, right? right. At least in sight, you know. Yeah. What's scarier, that or knowing you want to work in finance and you're just going to sit in a desk all day and crunch numbers? <laughs> scary in different ways. Scary in different right. ways. I would pick uh, our way. Also, I mean, I guess it's already the beaten path to us, right? <laughs> so That's true. That's true. We've seen it now. Yeah, but... Although it's, it's a little more unpredictable than, or, you know, hard to pin down as, you know, the day job, the nine to fiver. Yes. Like yes. our existence is a little more nebulous. Right. So why we're here at like, what, 10 p.m. Just like, <laughs> you know, let's have a conversation. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Talking about, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, it's, but there's a beauty to that and there's something that there's, it makes it difficult in the sense that there's no exact roadmap, but there's something really exciting about that. You know, and I think all artists kind of have that, you know, they're, they're drawn to something that's not quite so clear cut as hard as that is, or as confusing or frustrating. Yes. As that can be at times. Absolutely. I mean, you know, right. It's the sort of, that willingness, I guess, to chase the spark, right? And yeah. to follow curiosity and to ask questions without necessarily having a framework for even what an answer is supposed to look like is what, you know, I think the aspect of artistry that puts us like on a pedestal in like society's view. And it's the instability, right? And the sort of like, well, I don't know where this is going. That is also the thing that like, right, feeds into like stereotypes. Right. You know, I feel like the power is I perceived. Sorry, I, I don't know why I'm talking about this so much. I just think about it a lot. No, but you know what? Oh, I'm leading us down this path because I feel like we're getting to something here because we're understanding that, like, in looking at your work, mm. I could think, oh, this person grew up and they like drawing and they work with the fabric or they saw someone do that and they really got into it and that's why right. they make what they... I'm getting the sense now from you more so that maybe you have this sort of impetus within you to follow something creative, but you don't know exactly what that is. And that, to me, explains a little bit of like when I look at your work and the different mm -hmm. avenues you take, it feels like your work can be, you know, an illustration for something or you could mm. do a big mural or you could do, you know, a stitched thing like it. It kind of like you'll follow whatever it is. It's open in the sense that you're filling that kind of impetus more so than just I make this kind of work and that's what I do. Yeah. Is that, is that anywhere close? Yeah, I feel very struck by that observation. I feel like that's a really uh, that's a really interesting reframing because you're right. I think that is what I'm doing. I don't think I've ever just said it to myself in that way before. Um, that's well. I think that's the not that I'm. I I think that's the advantage of talking to people about their life and like growing up because then you get a deeper understanding of why they do what they do. So you look at the work differently because when you go to a gallery and you just see the work, you never get that. No, there's no context. It's like, I don't know. I like it. Right. <laughs> right. There's yeah. no TV playing like, you know, this, this, you know, this is my life next to the work. So you get the, <laughs> the right. The... And even then it's probably like a five minute loop, right. To make it digestible, exactly. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing, uh, you know, stations of the cross at the uh, national gallery, Barnett uh -huh. Newman had like a room of, these paintings and 
when you come off the elevator, there's a video of Barnett Newman talking, I guess, about it. I couldn't listen for more than a minute, but it was so hard <laughs> to watch. <laughs> Can you say because more? <laughs> his voice was like hard to listen to and it just was not exciting. Mm-hmm. But the paintings were dynamite. Like it was an amazing, beautiful, meditative, you know, it was really amazing. But the video, boy. It's so like you could have left that at home. Right. You were like, you should have stayed in your hermit troll hole and just made exactly. your meditative paintings. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need you, you know, talking about them. That's just for sure. But again, that's what's hard. Right. It's like there is the expectation you're going to come out and talk about them. Right. Right. Yeah. The dreaded uh, artist statement. Right. And it's like, no, I'm a troll. You know, I live in my hole and I just like, you know, I haven't showered. I was just sewing this thing for a hundred hours. <laughs> yeah. Artists are like fraggles. Like we're under, <laughs> <laughs> we're underground, like dozers, just building stuff. It's like, you don't want to talk to them. Just like, yeah. look at what they make. I'm for kidding. sure. Some people no, 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 are no. really mad right now. I'm really good at <laughs> talking about my work and my artist statements are amazing. Yeah. It's like, I'm actually so charismatic. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Just because yeah. you don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm actually an extrovert. <laughs> don't assume. <laughs> Well, yeah. so so was art school the, you know, was that something that, where did you, because you went to RISD, right? I did, I did. Did you go there for undergrad? Yes. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty, you know, you're throwing the chips on the table with that one. Like, for it's sure. going all in on art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, and I, I do feel like very uh, lucky, not that this is like my Miss Universe, like pageant speech or something, but, you know, I like, I think like, you know, I, I got to... <laughs> I'm so blessed, um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I think despite their sort of like reservations, my parents ended up pretty like you know supportive and like you know I got to go to this like fancy expensive school, right? Like, um, was it a yeah. big shift? Oh, from, it was huge. Yeah, from, like I mean, high school to that for sure. I mean, you know, I like moved whatever from like halfway across the world. Now, how'd you pick RISD? I mean. Rizzi is a great school, but there's a lot of great art schools. I mean, how did you, was it the climate of Providence that was calling you? Uh, I mean, honestly, like, I feel like, you know, I did have that handy dandy citizenship from getting born, um, which I don't think was like a planned thing. My parents were just like, I don't know, I guess we're going to like chaotically start a family while my dad is getting his higher education. And from what I hear, it was like pretty rough, which I was like, yeah, this doesn't sound fun. Um, but, you know, that said, it was like, and I think it was also just that very strong, like adolescent urge, you know, I was so unhappy in Singapore, really didn't fit into the school system. And I just wanted to get out, you know, at least at the time, it's like, I didn't really have access to like an art community in any meaningful way. Like, um, and yeah, what's the Singapore art scene like? You know, I can't really speak to it, honestly, very well. It sounds like you a didn't lot really. of, yeah. I mean, you know, even now as like an adult, it's like all my my like sort of like personal network and community is like very very East Coast centric. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think like you know my current sort of like social network and like art community that I have found in Singapore are people that I've met through like meeting them in new york you know and being like right. oh you're a singaporean who hates singapore too <laughs> <laughs> you know and then coming back to visit and being introduced to like their friends through that you know and kind of like which has been really nice and you know like 
healing in many ways to be like oh right like there are people who feel the same way and like you know who struggle with the same questions and like you know i feel very again you know patches speech lucky that i got out because uh, you know I, I did get to just really jump straight in right like to like in our community to this like very like hallowed institution you know that is like yeah. arts focused right and right deep end of the pool as far as sure. that's concerned yeah um did you have uh i mean did you have room i would imagine you had room to explore and i mean RISD is kind of like you know you could do a lot of stuff there it's not the kind of like limiting in that sense yeah i mean it's interesting because i feel like i almost came in uh because as sort of like liberating and interesting you know and exciting as it was it also was so scary right like i mean yeah. i don't know if you heard about like the foundation year but you come in and they're like we're gonna build you down to break you up all this like cultish psychobabble and you're like yeah. what does that mean but also i have no sense of like real fixed self as like an 18 year old so like sure i guess you can destroy me right like <laughs> yeah, like breaking you down at that point is not like a huge breakdown when you're starting off with like intro to 2d or whatever for sure yeah. right you're like you it's know not like you had an ideology and a body of work for 10 years that they're gonna like all right we're gonna start you fresh now kid you right know? right if i heard that now i'd be like run <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm out yeah but back then i was like i don't know like i listen to kurt cobain like this you know i'm familiar <laughs> with this language like that's that's cool you know no questions right. fine let's go um but yeah you know i think it was just a lot of like i think i felt like a lot of pressure to really make sense of right it's like that thing about chasing the curiosity even if you don't know where it is it's like it doesn't you might feel the impetus but it doesn't mean you're at peace with like what it means to commit to that you know right. and i think i was very like afraid and i think in many ways you know like didn't really explore or like play as much as maybe i've come to be able to do now you know i actually majored right. in, i majored in illustration at RISD, um and i had decided that even before i went there you know uh yeah. and i was very frustrated in a lot of the foundation classes right because it was like what like drawing right which is like these giant charcoal pieces where you're just smearing stuff around and you know it's very experimental 2d design then 3d you know and it just felt very like i had no framework to understand how is this helpful how is this gonna like i can't understand a trajectory that this goes toward right it wasn't challenging it was just in the sense that it was pretty like straightforward and almost like formulaic you're just like Oh, it did was, you feel like you it, didn't have like enough self-expression of it, or did no? You feel it was like, it was challenging. It was like too challenging. You know, I think what oh, I'm okay. trying to say is that I felt that like I sort of like uh, it opened me up to a lot of things, but I also felt very lost because I didn't understand how on earth me making this like I don't know museum board like structure, you know, for picking up an egg in 3D class or whatever, <laughs> right? Like, do you know what I mean? It's like I think yeah. that it really wasn't. I think there's a sort of self-imposed like mental rigidity that really cut me off from like a sense of being able to play, you know. Right. Um, which I don't I think guess is that was part of the breaking you down part. Right, but you know, again, from day one, I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna go into illustration because that seems the most lawful thing that I could do, right? Like uh, an art, an art, um, 
uh, focus that also is explainable, at least to my parents, right? As I employable, go, employable. You mean yes, like employable, explainable, right? Like yeah, you yeah. know, uh, it's like the parent major. For which is sure, funny because I mean, how many illustrators come out of illustration school and like just blow up? You know, it's probably like the same ratio as artists in a way. Maybe True. a little more. Right. Like you might get more gigs, but it's not. I mean, are you really? How many illustrators are out there just like crushing it? Yeah, it's a small percentage, but I would say the same for like fine artists, right? Uh, right, but that's the thing. Like people go into illustration right. thinking like, oh, I can get more gigs, but the only thing is like, there's a million, a million trillion illustrators, so the yes. pool is bigger in a way of people trying to do it. I think. Right. Right. That's true. Also. I think you know, just like from from that perspective of me, then it just seemed more digestible, you know, for where yeah. I was at. Right? It was right. like, all right, if I do like paintings, it's like clipped and impressionist because at least I get it, right? Like you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it I was like you. very uh, a a sort of um, result focused mindset, you know. Yes. Um, and so yeah, like process driven too. Yes. Right. Less conceptual and abstract and a little more like, okay, I'm going to do this. I have this project. Right. Because the idea of like, I don't know, giving into this like abstract thing was also just like struck a deep fear into me. (laughs) You know, it's just like, what am I supposed to do with that? How am I supposed to talk about this? Like, you know, uh, I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, So I don't know. It's interesting to then, I guess, to your point earlier, right, about like chasing the impetus. I think slowly over time being able to kind of expand out of that and be like all right maybe my work can exist in this sphere right right maybe it goes here what does it look for to do this you know has been something that i think i've sort of come around to like backwards yeah right it's very benjamin button you know like (laughs) (laughs) yeah well there's a a million different ways to get to where you want to go right you know what i mean yeah. But the good news is that seemingly is that you had the the intuitive sort of desire, you know, like the desire was it's it's almost like you're going to land there no matter what. No matter what avenue you go, you're going to find it, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to be surprised. I think is has been sort of my <laughs> like takeaway, you know, over right. time. It's just like I didn't expect it, but it's so nice to be proven wrong, you know. Or just to be surprised and like, oh, you know, I don't think I would ever expect it to be like really pivoting towards textiles ever in my life. Like I didn't yeah. even understand what that major was supposed to be <laughs> when I was at school. Right. It's like right. you make cloth <laughs> for what? Right. It's amazing that they have the major. A lot of places don't even have it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's not Absolutely. Even an option. People find it just like otherwise, you know, like doing a residency or something because a right. lot of places don't even can't even teach you it yes it, it seems like weirdly niche for something that's also so universal and omnipresent you know in life right well now machines though yeah true it's so true. much of it's automated so you lose that the hand with it you know what i mean right right whereas like ceramics i guess there's still more of that institutionally like around you know mm. where it's become you know industrialized but there's still the hand right is still very prevalent so. right but so did you go through the entire undergrad kind of on the illustration circuit and you just yeah but i think it was always sort of like 
Pegged is like good at drawing and like making stuff, you know, but sort of like ended up taking a lot of like painting classes and uh feeling very drawn yeah, the to the dark that. side. Ah yes, I know. <laughs> Flirting with the dark side. Right. It was like this feels right. I can't say why. Uh but I guess I'm here doing that. Um right. By the way, that's like everyone. That was me too in like intro to painting. Right. I was like, I, this is weird. You know, my classes is me painting and I'm painting still life or whatever, but it feels pretty good. Right. That's like, I, I, I don't like know what this. what this is, like why I'm doing it, but it feels right. Yes. Right. It feels more right than my statistics class. Oh my God. Where, so did you go to like a, a liberal arts school then if you were taking statistics? I went to Penn State. So oh, wow. Like, mm-hmm. You had to take all the prerequisites right gym you know stat public speaking did you say gym yeah they're still making do PE credits that's right it's Penn State damn all right be slouching around not moving around you know yeah you had to take two classes wow all right general education requirements like they just want to be a well-rounded citizen Listen, they need that more than ever nowadays. <laughs> everyone's just sitting in a computer lab all day. Yeah, everyone's you know, getting their butt fusing to the seat. I know all the all the weird sort of like I remember reading about like tech neck or whatever. You know, when they were like saying, tech, wait, "Did you ever read it? about this?" They're like, no, "Oh, like everyone using their phones all the time and looking down all the time is cause people oh, have oh tech neck." Yes, yeah, cause people have like neck wrinkles, and I'm like, haven't people always had fucking neck wrinkles? Like. <laughs> No, but they probably have more of a hunchback than they used to. Right. I was like, but are we pathologizing like aging as like a function of tech? You know, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I was like, you guys stop. Come on. <laughs> so, well, now they have tech that keeps you, you know, you put the little thing on your back and it zaps you. If oh, you I hate that. I hate that. Um, you, you celebrate the hunch? No, no. I've definitely been in like physical therapy a, 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 in and out for the last uh, year or so. Uh, so probably I should get a zapper, but or I do yoga. have one of those. Um, yes, I do have one of those uh, little visual timers. You know, the ones that the, they oh, right. they market for like ADD, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's every forty five minutes to get up and stretch. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. Yeah, just. Um, it's hard it's hard i mean i think also like so much of like i feel like most people i know who like you know have like a studio practice just really get into like hyper focus right definitely and it's really not kind to your body but not it's at all. also like yeah you get you get stuck in positions doing stuff that's not good right but it's like the idea of like entering a flow state it's like such a valorized thing that it's like i don't know uh Thinking. It's a yin yang. It's a it's a plus and minus. Everything evens out. Right, you know? right. But thinking about the physical costs of something like that, it like you know, seems so like unsexy, right? It's like oh, my hands are jacked from doing all these collages over the years. Oh my god, I bet. Because I squeezed the exacto blade so hard, and like they're so little, right? That like my hands are so messed up from this. Dude, it's such a weird random. And like I have parts of my finger that are from holding the paintbrush for so many years that it's like calloused and dried out oh my god yeah yeah it's like it's gotten like crusty i know Uh, Uh, it's you know you take one for the team look at uh ballerinas oh yeah feet are just screwed i mean they're just like just heinous yeah from like like all that yeah it's like toenails who yeah 
Yeah, I mean, it's part, you know. Comes know. Do you ever use those, like, rubber grip things for, do you like those, or? Come on, I'm not this. <laughs> <laughs> You're no like, way, man. I'm, ergonomic. I'm real. Never wore gloves, never wore any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're like, ergonomics are for wimps. Exactly. Now look at me. I'm like a shriveled, I have like, <laughs> should have been wearing gloves. I used to watch people wear gloves when painting and be like, what the hell are you doing? Right. You know what I mean? Now I'm like, well. That was probably the right choice. It's like, maybe I should have learned to sense the tactile nature of the whatever I was working with through the glove. Right. And yeah, just done yeah. that. And adapted to that. That would right. have been a good look. Yeah, some short-term labor that, uh, you know, really wins in the long run. Well, I did move from oil to acrylics because the oil, the turpentine was killing me. Like, uh, headaches and stuff. So I did, that was a good move. For sure. Same here. Same here. Which is funny because now I, like, teach oil painting and, like, I honestly... I yeah, sometimes, but I, like, don't really work in it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Rarely. I mean, I still do it sometimes, you know, but, like, it's really just not, not the jam. Like, the headache, you know, just, just everything about it is, like, it's beautiful. It's sexy. I just, like, you know, I don't feel like we can be in, like, a, a intimate relationship like that anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. Place your analogy here, but yeah, it's you know the old way of of doing it, right? And it's not, it's, I mean, there's something really great about it. I mean, I teach it. I learned how to oil paint from like a guy who was you know an amazing and mm-hmm. you know glazed and learned all that stuff, and I still can teach it, but right. I just don't do it anymore. Right, right. But I do find it fun to do demos in class where I'm actually like, you know, painting a lemon and just putting on thick. You know what I mean? Like right, the oil. Right. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There, there's that juiciness, right? Again, uh, yeah. It's funny because I, I feel like I never really got into that like super technical aspect of oil, you know, like glazing all that stuff. So I can talk about it a little bit, but I'm not super like up on uh, really right. articulating it. I think in class the other week, there was a student that was like, what's the difference between like a la prima and one on wet? And I was like, I don't know, they're pretty similar. And this one, this one student steps in and just gives like the beautiful, perfect, like dictionary definition of just like, you know, if you do it in one sitting, like, you know, it's under the umbrella of wet and wet, but it's, you know, they're, they're different. I want to say they're like the same. I just have to be like, yeah, good job. You, you said it all. Yeah. With Google. Yeah. You know. Students are going to know some things you don't know. I know. It's just like, listen. You just have to be comfortable with I know. that, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think, like, I... It's it's weird to be teaching. I'm definitely older than them, you know, at least by 10 years. But I don't feel that distant from them, right? Right. And it's, like, odd to be in this sort of, like, authority position. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I also am just generally skeptical of that dynamic, you know, um... But talk about not having a roadmap, right? It's like, I think, uh, I haven't been, like, teaching for that long, at least at, at like, college level. But, um, right. you know, I think it, like, when I first started, it was, like, so emotionally fraught for me. because I like, don't want to repeat the sort of dynamics that I sort of, like, experienced as a student, right? I don't want to yell at anyone. I don't want to, like, really, you know, encourage a cult of personality or really be, like, prescriptive. I want to be very open, right? Like, I want people to talk to me. But also, like, I don't know what that looks like because, like, I literally never had that modeled for me, you know? That's true. Yeah. That's a very true thing. Because, like, the method of teaching has shifted so much because people don't respond to what they used to. You know what I mean? Like, it's a different way of... You have to 
I have learned that through teaching over the years. You really mm-hmm. have to adjust the way you approach it because it's different now. You know, yeah, the whole dynamic is is shifted. You can't be that old person who's just like, well, when I was a kid, we used to grind our own pigments. You know, no one wants to hear that stuff. For sure. Or like, you know, if you didn't, if you like went to bed before 1 a.m., you're a piece of shit, you know, like. Yeah, that was totally. I think that was actually on the wall of our BFA studios. If you went to bed before 1 a.m., you're a piece of shit. Are you leaving now before midnight? You're a piece of shit. Wow. Yeah, I I hate that. You know, I just hate that so much. Uh, I do, but you know what? The people who stay after midnight, they get the job done. It's true. It's true. But, you know, I... I... Hard work still works. It's hard, right? Because I feel like I'm also like, here I am, you know, like I'm I'm happy with what I've gotten done. I don't think I would have gotten it done without this like demonic uh, commitment to like workaholism. But I also, I also so wish that there was a different way that, you know, there's a more balanced way that we can be like in relationship to our practice, you know. And See that? It's the exact analogy of what we were talking about where, you know, it's like, I want to get to 10,000 hours, but I don't want to have that finger, you know, of being like all craggly and old Mm. and all that. But sometimes to, to learn it or to get the experience or to, sometimes you have to push yourself, even if it's not the most healthy thing or like you know, the best, you know, work-life balance or mental right. thing, you know, sometimes you have to grind. It's like a drummer. Yes. Like there's, there's certain, there's certain things that are like a meritocracy, right? And it, it illustrates the fact easier hmm. than like, you know, painting or drawing or whatever. It's like, if you're a drummer, you have to play the, the drums a lot because the more you do it, the better you're going to get, the more you're going to understand dynamics, the more you're going to have a feel. It's harder on your hands it's not good for your social life, maybe, to be in a room all day doing it. But, you know, it's it's undeniable that the more you work at something, you know, something happens. Yes, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, I think, I guess that even if I am not a good model of it, right? Like, <laughs> as someone who absolutely just, like, is, like, lost in the sauce and, you know, like... Uh, goes to physical therapy for like repetitive strain or whatever um but i really don't feel that those things have to be mutually exclusive you know like having some sense of like a boundary right like a boundary around like your physical capacity right or your mental capacity and being committed you know being i don't know it's hard i i think i i guess i think about it a lot also because i i it's very confusing as like an instructor to be like I want to push like I don't think you did enough work this week right like I want you to make the best use of your time you know like right I think you need to put in a lot more work in this and then also be like if you're sick you should just go home like a, you know there's nothing to prove by being here and you should never I apologize yeah, that's for sure yeah but my feeling is mm-hmm. at the end of the day the ones who will push will push right like you don't want to have to put a gun to someone's head to like make them succeed or to try hard at something yeah the ones who really want it will want it and they'll know how to push themselves without like pushing themselves over the edge you know because there's a big difference there's a big difference between like you know pushing and and testing yourself and really you know trying really hard but still having like you know 
peace of mind and health and you know sanity or whatever yeah so, you know you can <laughs> do things. you you can go beyond just being constantly comfortable right you know it's like a marathon runner is not going to win a marathon if they're always comfy yes like, you know, sometimes you gotta like push it and and test your boundaries and you know it's just I think with subjectivity, people feel that like, oh, well, I can get there without really having to do any work. But right. I feel like there's something true in the work that is undeniable. You know, it doesn't always mean you're going to get better or it's good or whatever, but it's an experience, you know. Absolutely. It's just, Absolutely. You, know, you gain that experience for good or for bad, you know. Well, here's a u-turn so what happened yeah. when you graduated <laughs> when i graduated oh man uh what was the plan like where did you came out of that with what you know mentally like what what was your mindset i was so 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 lost <laughs> you know i'd spent like most of my time in the major being like i love painting i don't know maybe like just big painting oh i really like painting you know I wasn't doing anything and then in my last semester literally the very last semester of like my senior year i was like I guess I'll take some illustration classes because I actually don't know what's gonna happen after this, right? And like, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand the fine art world, and I don't understand like you know, uh, illustration. I just found it all very, very perturbing. You know, like I had no artist statement. I was like, I like making portraits. I like painting. That's not really like a practice that feels like. Mm, or a direction that feels meaty enough to say that this is my practice, right? It's like, I don't know, just like, you know, making a nice thing. At least the time, right? I think maybe I'd feel a little differently about it now. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so, so what you was know, your game plan? I don't know. I was like, I'm going to get a job, maybe like a day job, you know, like publishing, teaching, anything, you know. And just try and figure it out because... Uh, I don't know, nothing looked like I maybe thought that it was supposed to look. Right? right. Like, uh, so you felt a little rudderless. Like, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, it's like, what an illustration department, I wouldn't say I'm a very good illustrator, and I wouldn't say I'm a very good illustrator now. You know, like, just sort of like, I think my work does the job when I am hired to do very specific things, you know, but... Uh, I don't know. I think it doesn't really suit the requirements of a lot of like editorial illustration, right? It's not right. very graphic, you know. It's not very like. Uh, no, it's art. Yeah, right. It's not very like sort of like churn out a bowl. I don't know, you know. Like uh, I, I sort of approach each one as like a little painting, which is what makes people like it when it works, and when it doesn't work, it's just very like why isn't this done, right? Um, yeah, and you know, I'd, I'd gone into this department thinking it was a practical choice to make, and I just was like, I don't connect to like a lot of this really, except maybe the aspect of like sort of narrative and storytelling, right? I was like, that's wonderful to me, that's always going to be wonderful, but I don't know what the fuck I was doing in the last four years, you know, which I don't think is an uncommon feeling regardless of what department you went to, right? You know, yeah, you get out and you're like, oh wow, real world, like, wait, what? right and like how do i even just the fact of sustaining any kind of practice without you know what you did not at the time realize was like a very specific set of conditions that allowed you to just churn out all this stuff week after week you know you don't have that structure anymore you don't have that like those guardrails in place right that that is the biggest slap in the face 
to students that I've found like after they graduate because I'll often say like you know you got a studio you don't know how lucky you are like this is to have all this time to make all this work right and then they get out and it, th- when you say that they're like what and then they get out in like a couple years they'll send you an email and be like oh my god it was so great like there was structure there were people looking at my stuff there were people talking to me about my stuff yes I was like in a fantasy land and then I got out and it was just like you know ugh. <laughs> right right I was like you know like in the hermit's mountain retreat to make stuff right <laughs> And right. I, I, you know, was so like angsty about this idea of like not knowing what I want to make, right? Like not having a voice, not having a vision. I didn't even realize that getting out of school, it would even be a problem to just make anything. Right. You know, I was like, oh, okay, right. Um, but, you know, it was kind of, I guess, you know, I, I didn't get a studio for quite a while and I was just working at my desk in my bedroom. Um, but I think the cool thing about that that i guess sort of like you know there was a little seed that bore fruit like a a while later that i didn't think was going to be a thing was like starting to make like artist books and zines yeah right it's very RISD of you yeah it's true i know <laughs> zine, zine culture in providence is no joke yeah it's, at least it was yeah yeah point in my life that's very real and it's funny because i didn't even really do that in school you know but uh, yeah. taking a GD class or whatever and being like, all right, I guess that's how I like staple a book, you know, like this seems dumb. <laughs> right. And, you know, I graduated, started going to a lot of zine fairs around like Brooklyn, you know, and just like, I don't know, it just seemed like the natural outlet in terms of like loving, you know, literature, books, uh, and like, you know, the sort of intimacy of that like book experience again, right? Like you are like world building and you're being asked to participate in this way and you sort of control the pacing of like your your experience right yeah um and how accessible they are you know uh yeah so i think that's kind of what led to that and yeah the very first scene i made was also a translation zine which is so uh funny because i didn't think it was something i'd still be doing like years later you know yeah um yeah, translating like a classical, the classical Chinese poem. It's like uh, Drinking Alone Under the Moon by Li Bai. Nice. Yeah, Tang Dynasty poet. Um, yeah, and it just felt like this way that I could at least access making and iterating, more importantly, right? In this way that was doable and sustainable, not only like scale wise, right, but also just like in terms of where I was at mentally, right? I was like, I don't even right. feel confident enough. Let's not even talk about having a studio. I just don't even feel like confident or like uh, in touch with a direction enough to commit to making anything big. I feel like I'll just be like cringing, right? Like anything I made, you know, yeah. as a manifestation of just like not knowing what I was doing, you know? So the idea that it was also small and intimate in scale really was like, I don't know, gave me this like baby steps platform also, right? Yeah, you need, it's, I feel like that happens a lot when people get out of school too. You, it's like a building block, like you have to start slowly. I mean, I did the same thing when I got out of grad school, I went to Skowhegan and right after that, mm-hmm. I moved to the city in a tiny apartment and I didn't, I was like, what? You know, like mm-hmm, how, mm-hmm. what? 
So I just had a bunch of magazines and I just started making like these tiny little collages of cut out magazine right. pieces. And it just felt like building blocks, you know, yeah. just like one little, st- I knew these things were like garbage, you know, like I was doing them and I was like, this is not, these aren't keepers, but it, I just had to start somewhere. Yes. Yeah, so I think the act of like giving yourself permission to just do that, not knowing where it's going to end up, right. Or, or not being confident that this will be a fruit bearing direction, uh, is everything actually. Yeah, I don't even know if I would use the word permission. I just felt like I just had to, I just did, just doing something. You know right. what I mean? Uh, yeah. I or I guess like I mean, just like allowing yourself to even start to explore that, right? Right. And, this, and, yeah. and exploring while being directionless, right? Right. Yeah, just like noodling. It's like yeah. picking up a guitar and just, you know, just, it's, it's awful. Like noodling is awful, but you got to do it to start something, you know? Right, right. Yeah, it's just the building blocks of, like, practice. <laughs> so how long did it take you to get, you know, sturdy? I, hmm, let's see. I graduated in 2015. I was noodling for, like, quite a while, you know, sort of, like, doing part-time jobs and then getting fired because I guess it was just, like, really, like... You know, it's it's very heartening to me to see all the infographics on Instagram about mental health stuff. Because I'm like, yeah, I guess I was like really fucking mentally ill. That's why I kept getting fired. It's like the worst employee. Was it depression the depression of like the situation. Yeah, just like depressed. I mean, I think I've just been like depressed all my life. You know, and getting a therapist that like I like connect to. Uh, we've been working together for like six years. You know, I think really turned things around for me. Um, oh, that's great. Did you just do it yourself? Like. You gave yourself permission to talk to someone? Yeah, yeah. It's so important because so many people feel like, what do I do? You know, who do I talk to? Right. And it's like, I think also, you know, I think the these really like insidious thing about like so much like mental health stuff is that like it's it's like it's internal. You know, it's nothing you can really look at and see and evaluate. And when that's just like how you live your life and how you feel every day, like what's normalized is invisible, Right. You don't yeah. even see like that's what's happening, you know, or that it could be any other way. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, you know, struggled with a lot of just mental health stuff for like all my life. Uh, and I think perhaps the useful thing, right, about the crucible of that time, like out of school of just being like, wow, this feels, you know, I feel bad all the time, but this feels really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Was that it did push me, I think, to just try and and like look for someone you know right uh are you an only child i have an older sister how much older five years okay yeah just thought of that Uh i didn't know like i was curious because when you when we talk about people to talk to right you know um like you think about family too and you know are there people close you know i don't know i have a i have a brother i was gonna ask my son is an only child and I always wonder about how different that is you know? right I mean do you do you feel like really close to your brother are you able to talk about things like that no I mean I'm very close to him but we don't really talk mm. to him I mean we when we were growing up we weren't close right in the sense that we were just always butting heads right and then when he went away to college when we left then mm. we became really close so is he older or younger older oh gotcha 
four years. Mm-mm. Okay, pretty similar gap. Yeah. It's yeah. problematic, you know, growing up. It's like I was like the f- younger, annoying, you know, how right. can you not be annoying, you know? And he was the stuffy first child. Who's They're always uptight. Oh, for sure. And I'm also like, the, you had more time to figure it out, man. Like four years when you're like 10, that's like half your lifetime, you know? Right. Yeah, it's true. Uh Versus, you know, me at 30, seeing someone who's 26, I like, you know, sure, maybe there's some difference in our life experience, but the older you get, the less that gap matters, right? But right. I think yeah. that four to five gap for siblings is like, you know, I think the reason you're often not that close, like. Totally. And, and at that age, you don't want anything to do with the other one. Like, for sure. Kid. Right, right. <laughs> well, did, did, um, did talking about it and getting that kind of, you know, that relationship to where you feel like you could work that stuff out did that affect your ability to be creative did it open things up in a sense yes i think so um again that sort of circuitous way that i think so many of these things seem to work right right um wasn't like you went to therapy once and then afterwards you went in the studio and made a giant art piece. No, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm healed. I'm fixed. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm free. Like, right. I talked about my father once and it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I, I think like, you know, and I think that's what's so special about any, any sort of like long-term relationship in your life, right? Like yeah. uh, of any nature you know, is that there's nothing that really replaces time spent and this sort of like shared history. Um, but yeah, you know, at this point, I feel like I've, I've like been in session with my therapist for as long as many of my like closest friends, you know? Right. And uh, yeah, so she's seen me go through like a lot of things, but also like, you know, uh, I don't think it ever occurred to me that talking about my relationship to my practice and my sort of like, workaholism right like you know how i feel about it how it it how it affects my sort of sense of like self-identity you know would be this sort of recurring thread that we revisited and i really like you know mined so much information about i guess who i am and, and where i'm at right like you know when the pandemic hit i sort of felt like i was like put on like thrown into an elevator empty elevator shaft right back to that like post-grad like fresh post-grad feeling of just like i'm disconnected what's the point of even doing this right like (sighs) i feel completely disconnected to this but in some ways it was almost more scary than than when i felt that way out of school because you know at that point i've been working for a while like this is my whole life it's everything to me you know and to feel like that sudden feeling of just like this is so meaningless. Like, what have I been doing? Right? Uh, is more yeah, like a, scary. It's a, it, yeah, it's scary. It's existential, really, because right. I think it gets down to the point of like that is like a mirror of like what what is life about or what is it worth or you right. Know. And it's almost like having the, your life flash before your eyes in a weird way. Yes, right. And to see how like earth shaking it was for me to even contemplate the question of like if i never make any work again like am i still like a worthy human you know right and that was like honestly terrifying not just to feel but to witness how terrified it made me you know i was like wow like this is like something is deeply warped about this relationship to work you know yeah 
that when I, it defines you in yeah a way. right that yeah. it was all consuming right it was like all i don't think i realized how much it had become a part of like i guess how i saw myself right yeah and yeah that was like really scary i mean it sounds cool just to say that right it's like yeah like you know my work is my life i believe so much in this but right. i think in that sort of double edge, you know, when the situation is reversed, it was like really like a, yeah, a ter- a scary thing, but also useful, you know, like a useful excavation. Um, and I think getting through that and really thinking through like, I don't know, that, that relationship, I guess, you know, I don't think it's like coincidental to this sort of like, I feel like a fairly rapid like acquiring of like expansion packs right in the last couple of years right yeah. I'm like what if I made ceramics what if I wove what if I right um, exploratory yeah. in that sense you know what's ironic about it too though is that so many people in life who quote unquote like haven't found their thing mm-hmm. are so depressed or feel lost or feel like they don't have meaning because they haven't found something that, that they really love to do that right. feels like a calling. Yes. And then on the other side of that, you can have this like, well, my calling defines me. Right. And what happens if that's taken away? It's almost like, you know, like a, a professional basketball player who just like breaks their ankle and they can't play anymore. And they're like, right. what do I do in my life? You know? Yes. Cause when you put all your chips in that basket, Yes, right. And I, I, yeah, I mean, of course, making art is intensely physical, as you know, we are casually yeah. discussing repetitive strain, you know, but also, right. like, yeah, I think specifically athletes give me such anxiety to even think about just the concept of being an athlete. It's like, you know, the body degrades, like you just, it's gonna happen. And but it's so beautiful, too, though. It's beautiful, but it, it's just uh, like, you know, contemplating that precarity is like, fascinating but so deeply unsettling, right? Is it just because we're wrapped up in it personally? I mean, because, like, if you look at the life and death of, like, an orchid or a flower or something, it's so beautiful. And when it dies, you're like, yep, yeah, I can't live forever, and then a new seed grows, and it's a beautiful sort of cyclical thing. That's true. That's funny because I also thought about flowers when I was... Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I was like, athletes are like flowers, uh, so it's funny that you say that. Well, the fragility, yeah. you know, you feel that there's a beauty to it and it's also fragile and it's the yes. life cycle. Right. That transience. But yeah. We, we place so much more importance on everything because it's us. Right. And it's our life. Right. But really, isn't it just this, you know, sort of beautiful organic growth and decay that, you know, has to be. God damn. We went deep on this. This, is not, this was not like a... <laughs> <laughs> was not surface at all like i just met you and we're going deep here this is this is like i mean you've done so many of these at this point this is not usually how it goes no this isn't even no this one's deep wow this is like all deep water usually wow. there's like you know you wade in the pool a little bit and right. then you do a little backstroke you float a little and then you go down and you dive deep for a little and then you come back up and this one we just like scuba dived on this thing. Yes, this was like this like good. elevator shaft, rapture of the deep, you know. Exact like, man, you and elevator. You got something with elevators. Yeah. Did you get trapped in one once or something? No, no, never. I don't know. I guess it's that sudden sudden plunge thing, right? Oh, that's a fear, right? A phobia. Yeah. Well, someone cuts the strings on the you probably saw a movie or something where an elevator just got snipped 
in that probably film. yeah i i think you know also just that that idea of like just being thrust into just like a sudden situation right like a, a rapid transition um or you know what you should do mm-hmm. this is bullshit i don't know what you should do you go <laughs> bungee jumping like oh my giant cliff. fucking god don't even say that like <laughs> yeah but you could you could beat the fear because you'll just boing back up you know? <laughs> you go oh my god i'm going down and then boing you just go flying no no, no. even being at the guggenheim fills me with deep like uncertainty and dread because it's like the ultimate like looking over the mall railing and feeling vertigo but oh you're not into that you no. don't do that hive thing or whatever it is you know that thing they built over there Oof. yeah just i love that stuff no i went to the top of the sky tree in tokyo have you know that thing yeah yeah and there's the glass deck oh. where you walk that is man that's amazing man maybe this is maybe it's a difference between a, a civilian like me and a podcast host like you you're like i don't fear public speaking i love glass floors uh, throw me down an elevator <laughs> shaft any day <laughs> <laughs> i have fears yeah. This is not related to high up I am. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I feel like especially to Guggenheim, I was there to see the Tela Nan show. Um, and it'd been the first time I'd gone back in a long time because I think I just, you know, I think there's just a lot of psychic darkness <laughs> yeah. in the Guggenheim as a structure. Like, I feel like the, the like, good the good version of guggenheim to me is the rubin like i love going there i feel at peace i've like, cried there many times you know i just I, like connected and worked there very much and i think it's a very welcoming space that feels like good you know yeah and i go to guggenheim and immediately like i gotta get out of here i gotta see the art and i gotta book it you know oh it's so funny i love the guggenheim oh, first man. of all i love frank lloyd wright mm-hmm. the urban legend is the story goes is that he they were gonna make him when he did the plans for it mm-hmm. Um, put a fire escape mm. on every level of the building for safety. Right. And he thought that was going to ruin the modern design or like the, you know, the modernity of it. Right, something. right, right. So hence just a spiral. It's one floor. Right, right. I don't know if it's true or not, but I like it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe this is, you know, this is just my little like, like medieval peasant, like folk b- belief brain firing. But I feel like in the Ruben, I'm like, okay, this is like positive circumambulating right we're like going oh, in this going this circle it's like a, a a a nice spiral we think about like you know transcendence and whatever and i go into guggenheim and immediately like i feel like this is circumambulate to build dark energy for like a summoning <laughs> like yeah no i get it you know I get it. uh i don't know something about it i feel like the floor is like seems to be a little bit tilted especially the higher you get towards the oh, railing yeah yeah and i'm just like you're like you're asking me to fall like you want me to fall have you seen the movie vertigo uh yes did you like it uh i appreciated it i was like wow this is like uh uncomfortably like the inside of my brain sometimes but you probably like rear window more it's a little more of like one vantage point yeah stable you know the sad thing is and i feel like this is something i say all the time that i'm gonna fix and i'm gonna get a criterion subscription or whatever but i feel like i'm very not film literate yeah i'm not that great either i went through a phase in college where i over the summer when everyone left i would just rent movies Mm -hmm. i mean it was like blockbuster days i would rent movies every night right right, like the cheap ones the classics for like a quarter a piece or something nice and i i moved through it in like a summer right it's pretty good but yeah there's i'm not a huge movie guy 
Yeah, just like I I I enjoy them. I've come to like I've always enjoyed them, but I think for me there is sort of like the aspect of being anchored by a social experience. Like watching it with someone else helps me right. focus on it and makes me more invested in watching it. Well, that's sweet. You like to share the experience. I think so. Yeah, there's something about it that is hard for me to really get like anchored into it and not just like pause it or keep reminding it because I'm like, did I hear that right? You know, I don't know. Maybe it's like right. a little like ADD, like like just whatever jumping out. But I think books have always just been like much more of like an immediate sort of entry point for me, you know? Right. Uh, What's your favorite movie though? I, oh, that's hard. Well, just one or two. Uh, I really don't watch that many. I'm just gonna say the one that's coming off the top of my head. Disclaimer, disclaimer, etc. But um, I've always loved Tapopo. Wait, what's that? Wait, what? It's by uh, damn. I always mix his name up with um, the horror manga writer Junji Ito that's not his name Itami you Juzo it. Itami Juzo I got it I got it I got there myself um, but what's he was, it called? Uh, Tampopo Tampopo yeah I think it means dandelion or something it's this movie about food by this like uh, 80s Japanese director who like made a lot of like just films like that you know were like funny but also critique society within this like hee hee ha ha right like frame uh but it, it was like ostensibly it's basically a bunch of vignettes around like food the the binding theme is food right so nice. it's like a bunch of like vignettes i think it's a movie from the 80s and you know just kind of about like society's relationship to food from various different angles um and the sort of nominal binding, like binding thread throughout, is this narrative of a widow who wants to open a ra- open a ramen shop. Right. Uh, but it's you know I think it it's like uh, we do follow that narrative through the end, you know. But I think it's really just so much more about these like little, like you know vignettes and bites that we get about like you know different sort of like you know familial relationships to food, like you know people in a supermarket, like you know. Uh, that I think makes it like very fun and special. Um, yeah. You also oh, thanks for the wreck. Yeah. You, gonna, I have a new movie to watch. Yeah, it's Never fun, and it. I feel like it's very watchable. You know, it's definitely like a romp, right? Like, yeah. You're not like girding your loins because you're like, I gotta interact with capital C culture. You know, right. it's like no, right. it's also it's digestible. Yes, it's fun. You know. Um, That's cool. Which I'm like, you know, I I feel like you know the. Uh, just just the happenings of life and the inner workings of your brain beating you up it's just like sometimes i'm like i need a romp i just need a romp okay yeah like <laughs> yeah heavy movies are tough at this stage of my life like i just want something that's light and it takes me away a little bit for sure it's like you know back when i i you know used to travel like back to singapore like every year or so to see my family and i would like almost exclusively watch kids movies and marvel movies because i was like this will not trigger me or send me into like a contemplative spiral on this big moving box in the sky that I have to be in for the next 20 hours, you know? Right, yeah. And if I fall asleep, I won't mind. Like if I put on Lilo right. and Stitch for the eighth time and I just pass out, that's totally fine, you know? It's like you know what you're getting. Right, right, right. I don't know, you Captain America. Exactly. It's like I don't care what Captain America is doing and, you know, it's not going to upset me. I don't care. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. How about you? What's, what's your favorite or a favorite recently? Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite 
One of my favorite movies of all time is Playtime. Oh, I don't, I don't know that. So give it's me the blurb. It's a, it's by Jacques Tati. Uh huh. He was a new wave French filmmaker, mm-hmm. and it's basically like a m- painting. It's there's no real dialogue. Mm. It's just people moving around in a city. It's really great. It's visually amazing. Playtime. Playtime. Gotcha. When when is it from? Sixty. I want to. Well, early sixties. I mm, think. Gotcha. Gotcha. Or maybe late fifties. I should know that. Cool. But yeah, I really love that movie. I mean, I like Koyana Scotsy. I like a lot of those old, you know, challenging like Weekend by Godard, and you know, mm-hmm. I kind of grew up like watching a lot of that old stuff. Right. Right. That I dug. But uh, what about music? We didn't dip into that. We could get a little lighter with music. Oh, for sure, for sure. Oh, are, you, are you trying to reel us out of the elevator shaft? Is that what's happening? No, not at all. <laughs> we, can, we can swim in there. I oh, mean, no, maybe the, like really dark music, <laughs> like <laughs> Swedish death metal or something. No, no, no. I, I feel like I'm definitely in the sort of like in indie hole, like... Uh, I don't know. I, I I found out from Spotify's like Wrapped or whatever that I guess there's a new genre definition called escape room. Wow, I didn't know that. I I'm still not entirely clear like what that even means. I'm I'm gonna make the Google face again. Who who's like the uh, the sort of poster band or poster musician for escape uh, room? Okay, I mean, that's the thing. It's like there are so many artists that could be under this label that it still confuses me as a genre. It's but vague, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. it's super vague. Uh, it says here experimental indie R&B pop, but also maybe connected to trap sonically, which I'm just like, what does this mean? Oh, who would that be? Like FKJ or something? So many people, so many people. I'm just going to read you a list. Uh, let's see. Um... Escape room. Come on, tell me who's on it. No, you're not gonna give me an example. Well, I've seen like I feel like Frank Ocean on it, but also like Charlie XCX. You know, like, uh, okay. let's see, Eve Tumor, Tierra Whack, Charlie XCX, Death Grips, Cara Cara Bonito. Uh, oh my God, that's diverse there. Yes, exactly. Do it's you like know very Cara, very Cara standard. Bonito? Yes, I know a couple songs by them. She's uh, the British Japanese girl, right? Yes. She raps in both. It's very yeah. funny. Vince Staples, Sky Ferreira, Sevdaliza, which I'm just like, this is so many different people. These sounds are so different. Yeah, I don't know if that's a genre. Yeah. I think you're just saying contemporary music. I know. Like varied contemporary music. Yes. I like this. Wait, what did you grow up listening bogus. to? Bogus. Um, I grew up. Bogus. <laughs> yeah. S- extremely bogus. <laughs> I haven't heard um, that word in a while. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, I grew up listening to, I feel like a lot of, I, I, you know, in my, like, really angry teen phase, I listened to a lot of, like, Japanese, like, like, alternative rock, like, visual K stuff or whatever, because, like, this seems dark, like. What, what is, what genre is that? Uh, it's just, like, like. No, I mean, like, what, who are some of the bands? Oh, man, this is, like, nah so revealing whatever it's fine you know I, I i hold tenderness for my former young self it's totally fine what's cringe even uh, but like gazette like alice nine i don't even you know it was just like it was like as much like the aesthetic as the music because they would be like wearing like really heavy makeup you know they're usually all male bands super yeah. heavy makeup like wild hair like you know really like just layered 
accessorized bonkers clothes, you know, uh, and the music was like usually like pretty, I feel like dark, right? Very yeah. like sort of like grungy, like alt rock kind of vibe, but with this like, you know, very like almost like goth kind of like um, aesthetic, right? There we are. We're getting closer to the elevator pit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, you know, very much like, you know, Mia 13 was like, hell yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> that's in your real house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I feel like um, I became a big, big, like, I don't know, this is a lot of stuff as a kid, actually. It was just like, I don't know, it's like really to Bossa Nova, like, but also nice. like this weird, like, you know, Japanese, like, screaming, like, goth people. <laughs> Uh, and then, and then I just became like a huge, like Sufjan Stevens head. Uh, ah. yeah, just like way. Chicago's own. Yeah. And then, you know, I feel like Carrie and Lowell, whatever, came out when I was in college and I was like, I'm just going to cry to this every night in studio. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so it's always been a thing for you. You've always been in the music. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. You know, always really loved it uh in in the tradition of like you know a hundred thousand like repressed salary men i also love karaoke you know like i think also someone like i don't know i don't really have like an exercise practice i've been really like dedicating myself more to just doing that as a means of like taking care of my body right like recently but what you karaoke know. no 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 like exercise and stuff you <laughs> <That's> know <joking. laughs> that yes i'm dedicated to practice karaoke uh hey, you sincerely do it. You do it. sincerely um <laughs> you do it right right have you gone to japan like the real way uh yeah i've been to japan but i don't know if i've really done karaoke there but um it's, i mean you know you get your private room and stuff it's oh nice. absolutely private room is the only way to go how else will you achieve true group catharsis if you're not listen just gonna close the, the door one of the best karaoke nights of my life was after a show uh-huh. that our band played in uh-huh. San Diego on the roof of a van right on the street Damn. in the middle of the city Love. which was not private room but it was pretty amazing right and it was Danzig was the band that we were doing the karaoke to oh my god amazing that's cool yeah it's pretty good well, so know. I I I do like the private rooms, but I also like the the top of a van. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, for us non-musicians out there, uh, yeah, right. I think the closed room experience is is how you can uh, let loose and that's true. Achieve the really catharsis, right? Yes. And the only reason about exercise was that I feel like as someone who's never really been into uh, any form of activity that would otherwise allow me to achieve some kind of like physical catharsis in that way. Weirdly, I feel like karaoke is that thing for me, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, it is intensely physical. Like, singing is, like, physical. Um, oh, yeah. It's exercise. And you get that, like, high, you know? And I'm just like, I hate running. Haruki Murakami could not convince me to ever get past a fast walk. I don't care, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. You I seem will... tapped into Japanese culture. Yeah, yeah. I think it was um, an influence. For sure, for sure. Uh, well, here's the test. Do you know what? karaoke means i actually do not what does it Kara- mean well it's karaoke right? yeah mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. kara kara means um empty like karate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know karate yes. means mm-hmm. empty, empty hand, hand. Mm-hmm. no weapon so karaoke okay is short because everything's shortened yes for orchestra 
So it means empty orchestra. Oh, karaoke. right, because you just got the instrumental. I love that. Today I learned. Um, <laughs> wow. That's cool. That makes total yeah. sense. Love that. Um, It's kind of poetic. It really is. An empty orchestra. And also karaoke sounds better than karaoke. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I feel like it's that thing of like, you know, you can pronounce the... Oh yeah, yeah. Like French. No, you can't go around pronouncing it. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah we're not going to do that. Right, right. You know, it's like, it'll just make me more like Barcelona, you know? Like <laughs> oh, it sounded really good, though. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it feels great, but I just, uh, you know, I do not wish to be perceived in those ways. <laughs> exactly. I hear you. Yeah. But it is kind of a cool meaning. Yeah, no, that's great. I love the etymology. Thank you for that. Also, just love the, like, general... I feel like attachment to portmanteaus, you know, in... Oh, I love it. Yes. Yeah. You I said know you there's so many good ones there. Right. Yeah, totally. The shortened, you know. And they're so, like, they're just so cute, you know, like, especially because they're shortened to like... Maku, like McDonald's. Yeah. Pasokon. Star, Starbucks. Yeah. What What was yours? Pasokon. Pasokon? Oh, yeah, yeah. I like, uh, what, what's the... Oh, Fama. Pharmacy? Family Mart. Family Mart. Ha, 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 ha. Which has great sandwiches. I love that. Um, that's really funny. You had mentioned that you had an interest in linguistics also. Like what What? Uh, what sort of languages? I love, I'm just fascinated by them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. I just nice. love them. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I wish I spoke more, but you know. Yeah. I just find it, I, I find polyglots fascinating. Yes. Oh my God. So, so interesting. Yeah. I only ask because I also, you know, I feel like have a sort of like cursory interest or like affinity for linguistics. Nothing like obviously very studied, but um, yeah, I've always had an affinity for it and been very curious about like, what would that alternate dimension geo look like, you know, if I had pursued linguistics? Yeah, I know. If you could turn back time, you know, it'd be so cool to learn like different languages. But yeah, it's that ship has sailed. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, well, I what's so so? Bring me up to date now. Like, mm-hmm. what? Let's talk about what you're doing, what mm-hmm. you've been doing, like projects, creative things that are going on. Right. Um, hmm. Well, I guess I'm just doing a lot of like. Feel like I'm in a lot of learning mode, you know, because I'm at the textile residency and I'm also in a printmaking one. Uh, in textiles you've been getting into it a little bit yeah i mean i i basically like taught myself to embroider a few years ago and i started doing that into my paintings you know for various reasons like i just think it's like uh looking historical examples was interesting you know like the idea of like you know this sort of like very feminine traditionally feminized form of labor but also just like enjoying it and, and like you know enjoying this different way to interact with surface um and like color you know and that really differentiated my sort of like personal work, I think, from like paid work because you know all my work is so sort of drawing based, yeah. right? Um, and then you know that sort of eventually led to like I feel like I need more like guidance, more just more more, you know. Like I I was really really curious about weaving for a long time and tapestry specifically because um, I was like, well, there is no surface, right? Like the surface is the structure, like. Uh, 
and it just seemed like a natural next step. So yeah, I've been a textile arts center residency since like October. I learned to weave a couple months ago, so that's been fun. You know, very new, but like very cool. Um, yeah, and there's some there's some really great artists using that medium. Yes, nowadays, I saw that uh, you inspiring. had yes, and I saw that you talked to Erin uh, Riley, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm working with her as my weaving mentor through the tech program. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, 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 which is fun. Yeah, she's but, kind of a boss. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I saw her like studio last week, and I was just like, this is bunkers. That was in the days when I would do them in person, and it was mm-hmm. really cool to do it in her studio with the looms and stuff. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's, you know, it's like making art with a piano, for crying out loud. Yes, right. You really, it just really activates a super different part of your brain. And like, you know, just just like so interesting as a painter to like, you know, then try to translate my work into that medium. Yeah, Um, it's pretty cool. How did, how did the book launch go? Oh, well, it hasn't launched yet. Oh, it hasn't. Okay. I I just saw. I mean, the the pre-order, like it's, it's made now, Mm -hmm. you know. Okay, it exists. I have the advanced copies, Mm -hmm. but it's going to release in May, so. I'm just going to beat the drum of, you know, of the fact that it's coming out because I'm super excited about it. Very cool. Oh, my God. Uh, Who's it coming out with? Altillier Editions. Ooh. And they make great books. And it's cool because it's distributed by art books. So it'll be in all the good places where, you know. Yeah, where books are found. Yeah, Yeah, like where, you know, you kind of want it to get. It's like having a record label. Right, right. That will get you in this. Well. Does that date me? But having getting you into the stores that you want to get into. Yeah, for sure, I mean? for sure. Yes, having but, that like support and reach, right? Uh, yeah, like my zines didn't have that reach. Exactly <laughs> right. It's like yes, it's like my dorm. That was basically the the people who came in contact with my zine and the ten people I sent them to. And the right, right. Yeah, just a totally different ballpark. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess in terms of upcoming projects, then, yeah, that's a big one for me also. I guess we DM'd about this a little bit, but I have a... Uh, it's interesting because it was actually a zine first. So I had made a, a tarot deck um, that started as an artist book that I had uh, published through Endless Editions. Mm. Um, just like a really small edition of 100, you know. I made this in 2018, I think. And... Uh, uh, I got a book deal for it last year. So I've been working with an agent. I got a book deal for it last year. And so I've been working on expanding it from just a major arcana into one that, uh, an edition that basically includes the minor arcana and a companion book. And That's exciting. Yeah, no, it's really cool. You know, I think like it just really ties together a lot of my interests, I guess, in sort of, Yes, like spirituality and cosmology, but also just like these general sort of like ways of like needing to categorize the world around us and our sort of lived experiences in a way that we can sort of make meaning out of, right? It's why like storytelling is so like powerful, but also learning to sort of tell our own story, but also find different versions of that story. Right. Like that's what right. therapy does. Therapy is this constant reframing of like, all right, you know, what if we looked at this from this narrative? Right. Like what if we recast it as this? Like, well, how does it make you feel? What does it look like? Right. Uh, and I think I don't know. I think these sort of like folk practices 
that you know maybe you're kind of like more belittled from like the you know stem mindset right, right, right. of like tarot and astrology like are really powerful like of course it's not like quote-unquote like rational or a scientific that's not the point right the point is that it is like this sort of like uh story making exercise where you mirror what you've gone through back to yourself and you're like does that feel right but there's also such a communal aspect to it right you know right. you read for each other you talk to each other about it um and yeah i think and especially you know where science and especially like the psychology right the institutional psychology has failed so many people especially marginalized people then like sure you know i think there's something really beautiful about finding your own tools to just give yourself that language right and it's been yeah, around kind of, isn't that kind of like what art is too exactly you like learn about yourself or the world by inventing stuff and yes. that's what like that sounds like a collaborative collective reflection you yes know? exactly right and you get to try on a different like version again and again right because we're also not fixed points in time or space or like a versions of self um sorry that was like a long spiel <laughs> no no it's it, it's great it ties in it's like the same reason for japanese dudes put on goth makeup and make that music right yeah. exactly right it's like tapping into something external that can resonate with other people in this expressive way right and also you know personas masks right like trying pap masks masks <laughs> there there we go enunciation yeah, yeah. you know trying on different frameworks right and being surprised you know at what does resonate or what doesn't yeah it's not that different than wearing a different top you know right for Buying sure a new shirt that's you know today i'm gonna wear a hawaiian shirt exactly right but uh How yeah so <laughs> right it's like am i do i feel more tropic yeah relaxed yes <laughs> at peace dad like uh <laughs> i've yeah. never felt so relaxed than when i was in hawaii oh man i've i've never been but i would really love to go um oh, it's the best yeah but it's a it's a deck that i guess you know sort of reimagines that like the journey of enlightenment that the cards kind of symbolize right but through uh chinese mythology buddhist iconography you know things that are like very much of my lexicon uh but also specifically journey to the west right and that's sort of like the story of you know this like supernatural like monstrous other that like undergoes like you know uh a hero's journey right so yeah it's just very it's very that I turned in like my drafts and my manuscript this past week, you know. Nice. Uh, yeah, so that's a big thing. I think it'll publish next year probably, but yeah. That's cool. That'll be really cool to see it, to like see it realized. You yeah, know? I don't think I've ever worked on such a sort of like a large scale ambitious project in this way, you know. Yeah, it's going to be really rewarding. Yeah. I felt like that with the book. It's weird. Like you do an art show. Mm -hmm. Like if I make work for that, I'm doing it over time and then I hang it. It just feels like that. But doing the book where you're, it's like more collaborative and it's over a longer period of time. Right. And then getting it, it feels like it's, it's cool to just, you know. 
I'm feel sure. that sense of realization. Right. And, and you know, like, unlike the show, like, the book doesn't go down, right? Like, you know, right. it, it still circulates out in the world in, like, a very concrete form. Yeah. Uh, For sure. Does that feel very different to you? I mean, I don't know, because you also make this podcast, right? Like, and The podcast is weird, though. I just, it's a conversation. Then I just upload it, mm-hmm. and it goes out to the world. But there's no, you know, footprint, really. Mm, you know, right. I just like, you know, upload and say bye. And then that's it. <laughs> and then, you know, I talk to someone else. It's just like, it's more about the experience for me. Right. Right. So, but the book is kind of cool. Cause it's like, Oh, here's this thing in a different form that people can hold and look at. And you know, I, those books were important to me in the studio when I was in college, you know, right. Like in my art studio, I, I wanted to read stuff that gave me fuel and mm-hmm. like hear about other artists and stuff. So right. there's, I think, Hopefully there's a value in that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, yes, as, as a sort of more centralized object too, I imagine than like, you know, multiple episodes of like audio recordings, right? right. That, yeah. you know, obviously represent like a huge body of work, but I think, um, I don't know, you just fundamentally interact with it so differently than like a book. Totally. <laughs> like a text. Yeah. Yeah. Real things still feel real. Right, right. Even like, I don't know. I mean, I have so many ebooks and PDFs, especially since I discovered like Libgen. Do you know that thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. you know, where it just like, before I like buy the like academic text, I'll check if it's there. Right. Because <laughs> also, like, you know, like like small publications or academic prices are so exorbitant. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even know if it's going to be useful yet. Like, <laughs> right. Uh, test it out. Right. But the double edged sword is that I barely read any of the PDFs to download because I have such a hard time reading like an e publication. Yeah. It's totally different to hold it. Right. For pages. Yeah. It just. Uh, the payoff. Yes. Exactly. The feel. Yes. And I think it really does get encoded in my memory uh, and internalized much more readily than reading the PDF, you know? Definitely. Yeah, it hits you different. It's like someone telling you they're going to punch you in the face and then getting punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Same concept. Exactly like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, where where can people, where will people be able to get when it comes out? Uh, is it just like following you on social media? Is that where you will be announcing these things or I website? I think so. Or? And and hopefully, you know, quote unquote, where books are found. Um, <laughs> yeah. Where good books are found. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, similar to you, I think, you know, it'd be interesting to see sort of um, what the additional kind of support and, and, and reach, you know, just having like quote, marketing, right? Like working on right. this, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It'd be interesting to see where it goes because, you know... Um, yeah, I'll definitely be talking about my social media for sure, you know, when it comes out. But uh, I'm, I'm very curious how, what will be different about the experience when it's not just a self-published thing. Right. Where you're like, you know, I'm going to be at like the New York Art Book Fair. Like, you know, <laughs> come and give right. my paper children, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, I'm, I, it's, I'm excited to see it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited and to check out uh, your book as well. Thank you. Well, and then anytime you're doing other stuff is the best place for people to keep up is social media for like Instagram, probably. Right? Yeah, probably, probably. Uh, Sounds reasonable. Yeah. You know, I, I have like a newsletter, but I'm so bad at updating it. I feel like I can't do more than one. 
At least you have one. I don't, maybe I don't even. I can't even do a newsletter. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like you know. I, I guess I, I made, I started it when I was at like my first sort of like studio residency. Because uh, basically, I saw other people doing it. I was like, "Is this a thing I'm supposed to do?" You know. <laughs> um, and like an artist statement. Oh, I gotta do this. Okay. Right. Okay, I gotta have a CV, an artist statement, and a newsletter. And I send maybe one newsletter a year. <laughs> That's reasonable, though. You don't want to get hit with those too many times. No, no. You know? But I feel like there are some people who are really on top of it. You know, it's like the big CC yeah. of like, dear everyone, I've got an opening. Like, you know, come on. Right, right. Uh, yeah, and I'm just like, don't perceive me. <laughs> but also, please do. But I just, you know, I, I cannot. I don't know. Like, I think there are so many uh, aspects of like being a working artist and really don't coexist with the part of you you need to access to actually make your work. Right. Right. Totally agree. Like the side of you that has to email, that has to like, you know, go to your groceries or whatever. It's like, you, you know, uh, totally counter to the troll hole. Right. The fraggle experience. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what fraggle rock is? Is that kind of generational? I, 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 I'm like it was cur- the cursorily. Show. Yeah. About like little people lived underground. Yes, I'm I'm cursorily aware of it. Yeah. Uh, I just like the word fraggle. Yeah, no, it is it is a really <laughs> inherently comedic word. Uh, it is. I feel like there are There's words no... like that, like duck. Duck is just very funny to me. Duck is funny. Ducks are a funny creature, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cool. Well, listen. It was great to meet and talk. Thanks yes. for going scuba diving. It oh my god, like, likewise. Uh, it was deep. I, I love that. Sound Division is recorded and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can support the podcast by subscribing or leaving a rating and review on whatever platform you listen to, whether that's Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Stitcher, any of them. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you to Michael Lovett for the intro, and thank you to Gia for taking the time to talk. Check out her work. It's it's really great. It's diverse and very interesting, and I think you will be into it. Check out also... Why I Make Art, the Sound Division podcast book, available for pre-order, and I think it's really great. It's 25 bucks. It's got a lot of features and a lot of artists, some quotes, some cool sketches, great images, and a forward by Rishikesh Hirwe, who's my friend who does Song Exploder. So uh, pre-orders really help. So if you could go and grab that book, I think you'll love it, and I thank you very much. And thank you for your support and listening. Got some more great people coming up. Stay tuned.